section twelve of essays book two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Essays, Book Two, by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Of Cruelty. I fancy virtue to be something else and something more noble than good nature and the mere propension to goodness that we are born into the world withal well-disposed and well-descended souls pursue indeed the same methods and represent in their actions the same face that virtue itself does but the word virtue imports i know not what more great and active than merely for a man to suffer himself by a happy disposition to be gently and quietly drawn to the rule of reason he who by a natural sweetness and facility should despise injuries received would doubtless do a very fine and laudable thing but he who provoked and nettled to the quick by an offence should fortify himself with the arms of reason against the furious appetite of revenge and after a great conflict master his own passion would certainly do a great deal more the first would do well the latter virtuously one action might be called goodness and the other virtue for methinks the very name of virtue presupposes difficulty and contention and cannot be exercised without an opponent tis for this reason perhaps that we call god good mighty liberal and just but we do not call him virtuous being that all his operations are natural and without endeavour rousseau in his emile book five adopts this passage almost in the same words it has been the opinion of many philosophers not only stoics but epicureans and this addition montaigne stops here to make his excuse for thus naming the epicureans with the stoics in conformity to the general opinion that the epicureans were not so rigid in their morals as the stoics which is not true in the main as he demonstrates at one view this involved montaigne in a tedious parenthesis during which it is proper that the reader be attentive that he may not entirely lose the thread of the argument in some later editions of this author it has been attempted to remedy this inconvenience but without observing that montaigne's argument is rendered more feeble and obscure by such vain repetitions it is a license that ought not to be taken because he who publishes the work of another ought to give it as the other composed it but in mr cotton's translation he was so puzzled with this enormous parenthesis that he has quite left it out Costa. 
i borrow from the vulgar opinion which is false notwithstanding the witty conceit of arcesilaus in answer to one who being reproached that many scholars went from his school to the epicurean but never any from thence to his school said in answer i believe it indeed numbers of capons being made out of cocks but never any cocks out of capons diogenes laertius life of arcesilaus book four forty three for in truth the epicurean sect is not at all inferior to the stoic in steadiness and the rigour of opinions and precepts and a certain stoic showing more honesty than those disputants who in order to quarrel with epicurus and to throw the game into their hands make him say what he never thought putting a wrong construction upon his words clothing his sentences by the strict rules of grammar with another meaning and a different opinion from that which they knew he entertained in his mind and in his morals the stoic i say declared that he abandoned the epicurean sect upon this among other considerations that he thought their road too lofty and inaccessible and those are called lovers of pleasure being in effect lovers of honour and justice who cultivate and observe all the virtues cicero epistulae ad familiares fifteen one nineteen these philosophers say that it is not enough to have the soul seated in a good place of a good temper and well disposed to virtue it is not enough to have our resolutions and our reasoning fixed above all the power of fortune but that we are moreover to seek occasions wherein to put them to the proof they would seek pain necessity and contempt to contend with them and to keep the soul in breath multum sibi adjicit virtus lacessita virtue is much strengthened by combats or virtue attacked adds to its own force seneca epistles thirteen tis one of the reasons why epaminondas who was yet of a third sect the pythagorean refused the riches fortune presented to him by very lawful means because said he i am to contend with poverty in which extreme he maintained himself to the last socrates put himself methinks upon a ruder trial keeping for his exercise a confounded scolding wife which was fighting at sharps metellus having of all the roman senators alone attempted by the power of virtue to withstand the violence of saturninus tribune of the people at rome who would by all means cause an unjust law to pass in favour of the commons and by so doing having incurred the capital penalties that saturninus had established against the dissentient entertained those who 
in this extremity led him to execution with words to this effect that it was a thing too easy and too base to do ill and that to do well where there was no danger was a common thing but that to do well where there was danger was the proper office of a man of virtue these words of metellus very clearly represent to us what i would make out viz that virtue refuses facility for a companion and that the easy smooth and descending way by which the regular steps of a sweet disposition of nature are conducted is not that of a true virtue she requires a rough and stormy passage she will have either exotic difficulties to wrestle with like that of metellus by means whereof fortune delights to interrupt the speed of her career or internal difficulties that the inordinate appetites and imperfections of our condition introduce to disturb her i am come thus far at my ease but here it comes into my head that the soul of socrates the most perfect that ever came to my knowledge should by this rule be of very little recommendation for i cannot conceive in that person any the least motion of a vicious inclination i cannot imagine there could be any difficulty or constraint in the course of his virtue i know his reason to be so powerful and sovereign over him that she would never have suffered a vicious appetite so much as to spring in him to a virtue so elevated as his i have nothing to oppose methinks i see him march with a victorious and triumphant pace in pomp and at his ease without opposition or disturbance if virtue cannot shine bright but by the conflict of contrary appetites shall we then say that she cannot subsist without the assistance of vice and that it is from her that she derives her reputation and honour what then also would become of that brave and generous epicurean pleasure which makes account that it nourishes virtue tenderly in her lap and there makes it play and wanton giving it for toys to play withal shame fevers poverty death and torments if i presuppose that a perfect virtue manifests itself in contending in patient enduring of pain and undergoing the uttermost extremity of the gout without being moved in her seat if i give her troubles and difficulty for her necessary objects what will become of a virtue elevated to such a degree as not only to despise pain but moreover to rejoice in it and to be tickled with the throes of a sharp colic such as the epicureans have established and of which many of them by their actions have given most manifest proofs 
as have several others who i find to have surpassed in effects even the very rules of their discipline witness the younger cato when i see him die and tearing out his own bowels i am not satisfied simply to believe that he had then his soul totally exempt from all trouble and horror i cannot think that he only maintained himself in the steadiness that the stoical rules prescribed him temperate without emotion and imperturbed there was methinks something in the virtue of this man too sprightly and fresh to stop there i believe that without doubt he felt a pleasure and delight in so noble an action and was more pleased in it than in any other of his life sic abiit avita ut causam moriendi nactum se esse gauderet he quitted life rejoicing that a reason for dying had arisen cicero tusculinae quaestiones one thirty i believe it so thoroughly that i question whether he would have been content to have been deprived of the occasion of so brave an exploit and if the goodness that made him embrace the public concern more than his own withheld me not i should easily fall into an opinion that he thought himself obliged to fortune for having put his virtue upon so brave a trial and for having favoured that thief caesar in treading under foot the ancient liberty of his country methinks i read in this action i know not what exaltation in his soul and an extraordinary and manly emotion of pleasure when he looked upon the generosity and height of his enterprise deliberate morte ferocior the more courageous from the deliberation to die horace odes one thirty seven twenty nine not stimulated with any hope of glory as the popular and effeminate judgments of some have concluded for that consideration was too mean and low to possess so generous so haughty and so determined a heart as his but for the very beauty of the thing in itself which he who had the handling of the springs discerned more clearly and in its perfection than we are able to do philosophy has obliged me in determining that so brave an action had been indecently placed in any other life than that of cato and that it only appertained to his end so notwithstanding and according to reason he commanded his son and the senators who accompanied him to take another course in their affairs catoni cum incredibilem natura tribuisset gravitatem eamque ipse perpetue constantia ruboravisset semperque in proposito concilio permanciset moriendum potius quam tyranni vultus aspiciendus erat cato 
whom nature had given incredible dignity which he had fortified by perpetual constancy ever remaining of his predetermined opinion preferred to die rather than to look on the countenance of a tyrant cicero de officiis one thirty one every death ought to hold proportion with the life before it we do not become others for dying i always interpret the death by the life preceding and if any one tell me of a death strong and constant in appearance annexed to a feeble life i conclude it produced by some feeble cause and suitable to the life before the easiness then of his death and the facility of dying he had acquired by the vigour of his soul shall we say that it ought to abate anything of the lustre of his virtue and who that has his brain never so little tinctured with the true philosophy can be content to imagine socrates only free from fear and passion in the accident of his prison fetters and condemnation and that will not discover in him not only firmness and constancy which was his ordinary condition but moreover i know not what new satisfaction and a frolic cheerfulness in his last words and actions in the start he gave with the pleasure of scratching his leg when his irons were taken off does he not discover an equal serenity and joy in his soul for being freed from past inconveniences and at the same time to enter into the knowledge of the things to come cato shall pardon me if he please his death indeed is more tragical and more lingering but yet this is i know not how methinks finer aristippus to one that was lamenting this death the gods grant me such an one said he a man discerns in the soul of these two great men and their imitators for i very much doubt whether there were ever their equals so perfect a habitude to virtue that it was turned to a complexion it is no longer a laborious virtue nor the precepts of reason to maintain which the soul is so racked but the very essence of their soul its natural and ordinary habit they have rendered it such by a long practice of philosophical precepts having lit upon a rich and fine nature the vicious passions that spring in us can find no entrance into them the force and vigour of their soul stifle and extinguish irregular desires so soon as they begin to move now that it is not more noble by a high and divine resolution to hinder the birth of temptations and to be so formed to virtue that the very seeds of vice are rooted out than to hinder by main force their progress and having suffered ourselves to be surprised with the first motions of the passions to arm ourselves and to stand firm to oppose their progress 
and overcome them and that this second effect is not also much more generous than to be simply endowed with a facile and affable nature of itself disaffected to debauchery and vice i do not think can be doubted for this third and last sort of virtue seems to render a man innocent but not virtuous free from doing ill but not apt enough to do well considering also that this condition is so near neighbour to imperfection and cowardice that i know not very well how to separate the confines and distinguish them the very names of goodness and innocence are for this reason in some sort grown into contempt i very well know that several virtues as chastity sobriety and temperance may come to a man through personal defects constancy in danger if it must be so called the contempt of death and patience in misfortunes may oft-times be found in men for want of well judging of such accidents and not apprehending them for such as they are want of apprehension and stupidity sometimes counterfeit virtuous effects as i have often seen it happen that men have been commended for what really merited blame an italian lord once said this in my presence to the disadvantage of his own nation that the subtlety of the italians and the vivacity of their conceptions were so great and they foresaw the dangers and accidents that might befall them so far off that it was not to be thought strange if they were often in war observed to provide for their safety even before they had discovered the peril that we french and the spaniards who were not so cunning went on further and that we must be made to see and feel the danger before we would take the alarm but that even then we could not stick to it but the germans and swiss more gross and heavy had not the sense to look about them even when the blows were falling about their ears peradventure he talked only so for mirth's sake and yet it is most certain that in war raw soldiers rush into dangers with more precipitancy than after they have been cudgelled the original has escholdex scalded haut ignarus quantum nova gloria in armis et praedulce decus primo certamine posit not ignorant how much power the fresh glory of arms and sweetest honour possess in the first contest aeneid eleven one hundred fifty four for this reason it is that when we judge of a particular action we are to consider the circumstances and the whole man by whom it is performed before we give it a name to instance in myself i have sometimes known my friends call that prudence in me which was merely fortune and repute that courage and patience 
which was judgment and opinion, and attribute to me one title for another, sometimes to my advantage and sometimes otherwise. As to the rest, I am so far from being arrived at the first and most perfect degree of excellence, where virtue is turned into habit, that even of the second I have made no great proofs. I have not been very solicitous to curb the desires by which I have been importuned. My virtue is a virtue, or rather an innocence, casual and accidental. If I had been born of a more irregular complexion, I am afraid I should have made scurvy work, for I never observed any great stability in my soul to resist passions if they were never so little vehement. I know not how to nourish quarrels and debates in my own bosom, and, consequently, owe myself no great thanks that I am free from several vices. Si vitiis mediocribus et mea paucis mendosa est natura, alioqui recta, velut si egregio inspersos reprehendas corpore naivos. If my nature be disfigured only with slight and few vices, and is otherwise just, it is as if you should blame moles on a fair body. Horace, Satires, one six sixty five i owe it rather to my fortune than my reason she has caused me to be descended of a race famous for integrity and of a very good father i know not whether or no he has infused into me part of his humours or whether domestic examples and the good education of my infancy have insensibly assisted in the work or if I was otherwise born so. Seo libra, seo me scorpius adspicit formidolosus pars violentior natalis hors, seo tyrannus hesperiwe capricornus undae. Whether the balance or dread Scorpio more potent over my natal hour aspects me, or Capricorn supreme over the Hesperian Sea. Horace, Odes, 2, 117. But so it is that I have naturally a horror for most vices. The answer of Antisthenes to him who asked him which was the best apprenticeship to unlearn evil seems to point at this. I have them in horror, I say, with a detestation so natural and so much my own, that the same instinct and impression I brought of them with me from my nurse I yet retain, and no temptation whatever has had the power to make me alter it. Not so much as my own discourses, which in some things lashing out of the common road might seem easily to license me to actions that my natural inclination makes me hate. I will say a prodigious thing, but I will say it, however. I find myself in many things more under reputation by my manners than by my opinion, and my 
concupiscence less debauched than my reason aristippus instituted opinions so bold in favour of pleasure and riches as set all the philosophers against him but as to his manners dionysius the tyrant having presented three beautiful women before him to take his choice he made answer that he would choose them all and that paris got himself into trouble for having preferred one before the other two but having taken them home to his house he sent them back untouched his servant finding himself overladen upon the way with the money he carried after him he ordered him to pour out and throw away that which troubled him and epicurus whose doctrines were so irreligious and effeminate was in his life very laborious and devout he wrote to a friend of his that he lived only upon biscuit and water entreating him to send him a little cheese to lie by him against he had a mind to make a feast must it be true that to be a perfect good man we must be so by an occult natural and universal propriety without law reason or example the debauches wherein i have been engaged have not been i thank god of the worst sort and i have condemned them in myself for my judgment was never infected by them on the contrary i accuse them more severely in myself than in any other but that is all for as to the rest i oppose too little resistance and suffer myself to incline too much to the other side of the balance excepting that i moderate them and prevent them from mixing with other vices which for the most part will cling together if a man have not a care i have contracted and curtailed mine to make them as single and simple as i can nec ultra errorem foveo nor do i cherish error further or nor carry wrong further juvenal eight one hundred sixty four for as to the opinion of the stoics who say that the wise man when he works works by all the virtues together though one be most apparent according to the nature of the action and herein the similitude of a human body might serve them somewhat for the action of anger cannot work unless all the humours assist it though choler predominate if they will thence draw a like consequence that when the wicked man does wickedly he does it by all the vices together i do not believe it to be so or else i understand them not for i by effect find the contrary these are sharp unsubstantial subtleties with which philosophy sometimes amuses itself i follow some vices but i fly others as much as a saint would do the peripatetics also disown this indissoluble connection and aristotle is of opinion that a prudent and just man may be intemperate and inconsistent
Socrates confessed to some who had discovered a certain inclination to vice in his physiognomy that it was, in truth, his natural propension, but that he had by discipline corrected it. And such as were familiar with the philosopher Stilpo said that being born with addiction to wine and women, he had by study rendered himself very abstinent both from the one and the other. What I have in me of good, I have, quite contrary, by the chance of my birth, and hold it not either by law, precept, or any other instruction. The innocence that is in me is a simple one, little vigor and no art. Amongst other vices, I mortally hate cruelty, both by nature and judgment, as the very extreme of all vices. Nay, with so much tenderness that I cannot see a chicken's neck pulled off without trouble, and cannot without impatience endure the cry of a hare in my dog's teeth, though the chase be a violent pleasure. Such as have sensuality to encounter, freely make use of this argument, to shew that it is altogether vicious and unreasonable, that when it is at the height, it masters us to that degree that a man's reason can have no access, and instance our own experience in the act of love. Quum iam praesagit gaudia corpus atque in eo est venus, ut muliebria concerat arva. Lucretius 4, 1099 wherein they conceive that the pleasure so transports us, that our reason cannot perform its office whilst we are in such ecstasy and rapture. I know very well it may be otherwise, and that a man may sometimes, if he will, gain this point over himself to sway his soul, even in the critical moment, to think of something else. But then he must ply it, to that bent. I know that a man may triumph over the utmost effort of this pleasure. I have experienced it in myself, and have not found Venus so imperious a goddess as many, and much more virtuous men than I declare. I do not consider it a miracle, as the Queen of Navarre does in one of the tales of her Heptameron, Vugentil livre pour son Aistoff, which is a very pretty book of its kind, nor for a thing of extreme difficulty to pass whole nights where a man has all the convenience and liberty he can desire with a long-coveted mistress and yet be true to the pledge first given to satisfy himself with kisses and such-like endearments without pressing any further. I conceive that the example of the pleasure of the chase would be more proper, wherein though the pleasure be less, there is the higher excitement of unexpected joy, giving no time for the reason taken by surprise to prepare itself for the encounter, when after a long quest 
the beast starts up on a sudden in a place where peradventure we least expected it the shock and the ardour of the shouts and cries of the hunters so strike us that it would be hard for those who love this lesser chase to turn their thoughts upon the instant another way and the poets make diana triumph over the torch and shafts of cupid quis non malarum quas amor curas habet haec inter oblevisquitur who amongst such delights would not remove out of his thoughts the anxious cares of love horace epodes two thirty seven to return to what i was saying before i am tenderly compassionate of others afflictions and should readily cry for company if upon any occasion whatever i could cry at all nothing tempts my tears but tears and not only those that are real and true but whatever they are feigned or painted i do not much lament the dead and should envy them rather but i very much lament the dying the savages do not so much offend me in roasting and eating the bodies of the dead as they do who torment and persecute the living nay i cannot look so much as upon the ordinary executions of justice how reasonable soever with a steady eye some one having to give testimony of julius caesar's clemency he was says he mild in his revenges having compelled the pirates to yield by whom he had before been taken prisoner and put to ransom forasmuch as he had threatened them with the cross he indeed condemned them to it but it was after they had been first strangled he punished his secretary philemon who had attempted to poison him with no greater severity than mere death without naming that latin author suetonius life of cassay one hundred seventy four who thus dares to allege as a testimony of mercy the killing only of those by whom we have been offended it is easy to guess that he was struck with the horrid and inhuman examples of cruelty practised by the roman tyrants for my part even in justice itself all that exceeds a simple death appears to me pure cruelty especially in us who ought having regard to their souls to dismiss them in a good and calm condition which cannot be when we have agitated them by insufferable torments not long since a soldier who was a prisoner perceiving from a tower where he was shut up that the people began to assemble to the place of execution and that the carpenters were busy erecting a scaffold he presently concluded that the preparation was for him and therefore entered into a resolution to kill himself but could find no instrument to assist him in his design except an old rusty cart-nail that fortune presented to him with this he first gave himself two great wounds about his throat but finding these would not do 
he presently afterwards gave himself a third in the belly where he left the nail sticking up to the head the first of his keepers who came in found him in this condition yet alive but sunk down and exhausted by his wounds to make use of time therefore before he should die they made haste to read his sentence which having done and he hearing that he was only condemned to be beheaded he seemed to take new courage accepted wine which he had before refused and thanked his judges for the unhoped-for mildness of their sentence saying that he had taken a resolution to dispatch himself for fear of a more severe and insupportable death having entertained an opinion by the preparations he had seen in the place that they were resolved to torment him with some horrible execution and seemed to be delivered from death in having it changed from what he apprehended i should advise that those examples of severity by which tis designed to retain the people in their duty might be exercised upon the dead bodies of criminals for to see them deprived of sepulture to see them boiled and divided into quarters would almost work as much upon the vulgar as the pain they make the living endure though that in effect be little or nothing as god himself says who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do luke twelve four and the poets singularly dwell upon the horrors of this picture as something worse than death hue reliquias semiustas regis denudatis osibus per terram sanie delibutas fede duexarier alas that the half-burnt remains of the king exposing his bones should be foully dragged along the ground besmeared with gore cicero tusculanae quaestiones one forty four i happened to come by one day accidentally at rome just as they were upon executing catena a notorious robber he was strangled without any emotion of the spectators but when they came to cut him in quarters the hangman gave not a blow that the people did not follow with a doleful cry and exclamation as if every one had lent his sense of feeling to the miserable carcass those inhuman excesses ought to be exercised upon the bark and not upon the quick artaxerxes in almost a like case moderated the severity of the ancient laws of persia ordaining that the nobility who had committed a fault instead of being whipped as they were used to be should be stripped only and their clothes whipped for them and that whereas they were wont to tear off their hair they should only take off their high-crowned tiara plutarch notable sayings of the ancient king the so devout egyptians thought they sufficiently satisfied the divine justice by sacrificing hogs in effigy and representation a bold invention to pay god so essential a substance 
in picture only and in show i live in a time wherein we abound in incredible examples of this vice through the license of our civil wars and we see nothing in ancient histories more extreme than what we have proof of every day but i cannot any the more get used to it i could hardly persuade myself before i saw it with my eyes that there could be found souls so cruel and fell who for the sole pleasure of murder would commit it would hack and lop off the limbs of others sharpen their wits to invent unusual torments and new kinds of death without hatred without profit and for no other end but only to enjoy the pleasant spectacle of the gestures and motions the lamentable groans and cries of a man dying in anguish for this is the utmost point to which cruelty can arrive ut homo hominem non iratus non timens tantum spectaturus occidat that a man should kill a man not being angry not in fear only for the sake of the spectacle seneca epistles ninety for my own part i cannot without grief see so much as an innocent beast pursued and killed that has no defence and from which we have received no offence at all and that which frequently happens that the stag we hunt finding himself weak and out of breath and seeing no other remedy surrenders himself to us who pursue him imploring mercy by his tears questuque cruentus atque imploranti similis who bleeding by his tears seems to crave mercy aeneid seven five hundred one has ever been to me a very unpleasing sight and i hardly ever take a beast alive that i do not presently turn out again pythagoras bought them of fishermen and fowlers to do the same primoque acaere ferarum in caluise puto maculatum sanguine ferum i think twas slaughter of wild beasts that first stained the steel of man with blood ovid metamorphoses fifteen one hundred six those natures that are sanguinary towards beasts discover a natural proneness to cruelty after they had accustomed themselves at rome to spectacles of the slaughter of animals they proceeded to those of the slaughter of men of gladiators nature has herself i fear imprinted in man a kind of instinct to inhumanity nobody takes pleasure in seeing beasts play with and caress one another but every one is delighted with seeing them dismember and tear one another to pieces and that i may not be laughed at for the sympathy i have with them theology itself enjoins us some favour in their behalf and 
considering that one and the same master has lodged us together in this palace for his service and that they as well as we are of his family it has reason to enjoin us some affection and regard to them pythagoras borrowed the metempsychosis from the egyptians but it has since been received by several nations and particularly by our druids morte carent animae semperque priore relicta sede novis domibus vivunt habitantque receptae souls never die but having left their former seat live and are received into new homes ovid metamorphoses fifteen one hundred fifty eight the religion of our ancient gauls maintained that souls being eternal never ceased to remove and shift their places from one body to another mixing moreover with this fancy some consideration of divine justice for according to the deportments of the soul whilst it had been in alexander they said that god assigned it another body to inhabit more or less painful and proper for its condition muta ferarum cogit vinclapati truculentos ingerit ursis praedones que lupis falaces vulpibus adit atque ubi peruarios anos per mille figuras eget letaeo purgatus flumine tandem rursus ad humanae revocat primordia formae he makes them wear the silent chains of brutes the bloodthirsty souls he encloses in bears the thieves in wolves the deceivers in foxes where after successive years and a thousand forms man had spent his life and after purgation in lethe's flood at last he restores them to the primordial human shapes claudian in rufinum two four hundred eighty two if it had been valiant he lodged it in the body of a lion if voluptuous in that of a hog if timorous in that of a heart or hare if malicious in that of a fox and so of the rest till having purified it by this chastisement it again entered into the body of some other man ipse ego nam memini troiani tempore belli pantoides oi furbos eram for i myself remember that in the days of the trojan war i was euphorbus son of pantheus ovid metamorphoses fifteen one hundred sixty and see diogenes laertius life of pythagoras as to the relationship betwixt us and beasts i do not much admit of it nor of that which several nations and those among the most ancient and most noble have practised who have not only received brutes into their society and companionship but have given them a rank infinitely above themselves esteeming them one while familiars and favourites of the gods 
and having them in more than human reverence and respect others acknowledged no other god or divinity than they beluxa babaris propter beneficium consecratae beasts out of opinion of some benefit received by them were consecrated by barbarians cicero de natura deorum one thirty six crocodilon adorat pars haec illa pavet saturam serpentibus ibin effigies sacri hic nitet aurea cercopithici his piscem fluminis illic opida totecanem venerantur this place adores the crocodile another dreads the ibis feeder on serpents here shines the golden image of the sacred ape here men venerate the fish of the river there whole towns worship a dog juvenal fifteen two and the very interpretation that plutarch gives to this error which is very well conceived is advantageous to them for he says that it was not the cat or the ox for example that the egyptians adored but that they in those beasts adored some image of the divine faculties in this patience and utility in that vivacity or as with our neighbours the burgundians and all the germans impatience to see themselves shut up by which they represented liberty which they loved and adored above all other godlike attributes and so of the rest but when amongst the more moderate opinions i meet with arguments that endeavour to demonstrate the near resemblance betwixt us and animals how large a share they have in our greatest privileges and with how much probability they compare us together truly i abate a great deal of our presumption and willingly resign that imaginary sovereignty that is attributed to us over other creatures but supposing all this were not true there is nevertheless a certain respect a general duty of humanity not only to beasts that have life and sense but even to trees and plants we owe justice to men and graciousness and benignity to other creatures that are capable of it there is a certain commerce and mutual obligation betwixt them and us nor shall i be afraid to confess the tenderness of my nature so childish that i cannot well refuse to play with my dog when he the most unseasonably importunes me to do so the turks have alms and hospitals for beasts the romans had public care to the nourishment of geese by whose vigilance their capital had been preserved the athenians made a decree that the mules and moils which had served at the building of the temple called hecatompedon should be free and suffered to pasture at their own choice without hindrance the agrigentines had a common use solemnly to inter the beasts they had a kindness for as horses of some rare quality 
dogs and useful birds and even those that had only been kept to divert their children and the magnificence that was ordinary with them in all other things also particularly appeared in the sumptuosity and numbers of monuments erected to this end and which remained in their beauty several ages after the egyptians buried wolves bears crocodiles dogs and cats in sacred places embalmed their bodies and put on mourning at their death Cimon gave an honourable sepulture to the mares with which he had three times gained the prize of the course at the olympic games the ancient xantippus caused his dog to be interred on an eminence near the sea which has ever since retained the name and plutarch says that he had a scruple about selling for a small profit to the slaughterer an ox that had been long in his service end of section 12